Good morning. I'm so excited to open this word with you guys this morning. Um, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke 2. Yeah, woo. I studied, I promise. Um, some of you guys are really confused now, right? Luke 2. There's more to the chapter, by the way. Um, so if you're like, the Christmas story, it's not the only thing in Luke 2. Um, and we did that last week, so I don't plan on going back and, and grabbing that in mass detail today. Um, but man, I'm so excited about this word. I'm so excited about uh, just hearing what, what God would say to us this morning and, and really just to be honest, what God would say to me this morning. Um, and um, man, just praying, uh, not, not really today for, for fancy words because um, that doesn't do much, but for a powerful representation of the Holy Spirit in this place um, that he, he would change us and he would move us towards him. Um, so this morning, we're going to be in Luke 2, if you're there. Um, we're going to start somewhere around 25 um, after we get some context behind this. But um, I know that maybe this um, is like, right, it's like the last day, literally the last day of 2017. And for some of you guys, I know you're like, man, that could not come soon enough. 2017 was the worst. Um, and you're like, 2018, unfortunately, it's a date on the calendar, so nothing really changes tomorrow. Just as a day that we picked out and said, this is the new one. Um, so if you're just leaning into the hope that 2018 will be better, um, you need to put your hope in something bigger because um, it's, it's just a calendar. Um, but I will say this, for those of you who had uh, a great year, for those of you who had like the worst year, and for everybody in between, what I do believe is that the best days are ahead of us. Um, and you're like, man, I don't know how you could say that or believe that or, or you know, you know my story. Maybe some guys <laughs> are going off that. And you're like, I don't know how you could even begin to say that. And, and maybe you're even offended by that. Like, how, what do you mean? You know, like, you, not for me. Um, and I just want to say to you that, like, the 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 story of the tomb, right, is a story that says, like, when it looks like everything's over, and it looks like defeat has, like, fallen on us, that God is about to do something amazing, right? Like, I'm sure the disciples weren't sitting around, like, oh, three days, man, it's going to be an amazing thing. Jesus is going to pop up out of there, and you're like, how do you say that? They walked around with him forever. Well, go read the story. They were going to bury the guy, Right? They're going to spice up the body and wrap it up for decomposition. They weren't going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. They thought defeat was on them. They thought that it was over and it wasn't going to get any better. The best days were behind them. And God's like, the best days in Jesus are always ahead. And uh, three days later, we find out after a little bit of waiting, right, that God had something bigger in mind. So I just want to say to you today, I believe that, the best days are ahead of us. That For me, the best days are ahead of me, and for you, the best days are ahead of you. And if you're looking back to the good old days, you're being blinded to what God is doing in front of you right now. Uh, and even when you can't see it, maybe it's dark, maybe it's a little weird inside the tomb right now, um, that, that God is working. And we can have faith in that because of who he is and what he says. So um, maybe just some encouragement going towards uh, 2018 for you. Um, don't put your hope in a date on a calendar because it's going to let you down just like 2017 let you down and 2016 let you down and 15 let you down. Put your hope in something bigger. Uh, his name is Jesus, and he doesn't let down. So... Um, Amen. Let's go home. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, this morning we're going to be in Luke 2. You're like, we didn't even read any scripture. Um, 
This morning we're going to be in Luke 2, and uh, we're going to just continue on this, on this story for one more week of, uh, of Jesus, um, and, and maybe through this, God will just speak something to us this morning, that's what I'm hoping for anyway, but in this point in Luke 2, um, the birth of Jesus has already happened, so if you're like a week late for Christmas, you miss that, you can come back next year, um, Christmas Eve, we'll do that, so you come to that, and we'll talk about it again, but um, the birth of Jesus has already happened at this point in time. The, the whole stable, barn, uh, cave, whatever you want it to be in your imagination, right? Like, um, that's where he was. Uh, <laughs> that's already happened. Already been wrapped in the cloth, already been laid in the manger. Uh, angels already went out and told the shepherds, hey, Jesus is here. Shepherds have already visited Jesus. We're already done with that. So if you were like, Luke 2, that's about the birth of Jesus. No, it's got more. Uh, just keep reading sometimes. It's awesome. Um, and uh, we leave the shepherds, and it starts in 21, continuing the story of Jesus. This is in 21, when the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus. Now, this is a command we find in um, Leviticus 12, that all the male children are going to be circumcised at eight days old. If you don't know what that is, like, I don't know, ask Kenny. Kenny loves to explain that. Um, you can get him after church. Um, no Google image, you just go for it, brother. Um, but... You can look that up later with Kenny, but um, it says that all the male children in, in Leviticus 12 have to be circumcised on the eighth day. So we already see here in the story of Jesus, eight days old, and he's already following the law, keeping the law, like checking the boxes. And it says that he was named Jesus officially, right? We, I'm sure he was named when he was born. Um, and it says the name given by the angel, right, the angel that come to Joseph and Mary before he was conceived, a name that was given before he was even really thought of earthly because jesus is not earthly um this is in 22 and when the days of their purification according to the law of moses were finished they brought him to jerusalem to present him to the lord again in leviticus 12 it says a couple more things one of those things is that the there's 33 days of purification after the initial eight days that get you uh, to the circumstance so we're like about 40 days into jesus's life here we look back in, I think it's Exodus 13, it says that all the male children are, are going to be dedicated to the Lord, that you have to be presented to the Lord. So they're checking boxes, right? Like religion, religion, religion. They're doing the thing. They're raising Jesus and, and, and following God. It's a good thing because he's have to keep the whole law. Um, but we see Jesus here is already just uh, eight days in, 40 days in, keeping the law. Um, it's pretty amazing. And it says they brought him to Jerusalem, the kind of capital city of Israel, to present him to the Lord in the temple in 23, just as it is written in the law of the Lord, Exodus 13, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. Amen. Thank you, revival verse right there. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was stated in the law of the Lord, again, Leviticus 12, uh, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, this is not the, the offering that was actually prescribed. The offering prescribed was that you bring like a bull or a ram, but if you were poor, you would bring two turtle doves or cheaper or two pigeons or some bird, I don't know. Um, you would bring those. So we see that here in the life of Jesus, he's not born into a rich family. He's born into a poor family. Uh, all that being just part of the story of Jesus. And you're like, well, why is that even important today, Brad? Thank you for boring us with Leviticus 12. Uh, I'll preach on that next week. I'm just kidding. You can still come. Um, Leviticus 12, and why are you born us with Exodus 13? Because I don't see any real significance in that. But what I want us to see before we move any farther into the story, this is the story, right, of Jesus. 
This is Jesus' story, right? Even, even the parts we don't really care about. These are, these are parts of Jesus' story, and, and they're written in this book, and, and everything in this book is Jesus' story. Um, and, and before we get into the next verse, I just want us to be grounded in the fact that this is not uh, this next guy's story. This is Jesus' story. And it says, into Jesus' story, there was a man in Jerusalem. Hey, look, right where Jesus was at, right? There was a man in Jerusalem, this capital city of Israel, this holy city, this place where the temple of God was and the presence of God dwelt, this city, this most religious city on the planet, it says there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. I think this seems awkward, right? We're talking about the story of Jesus. We're in Leviticus 12, we're in Exodus 13, and then God dumps in, kind of almost changing subject, this man, Simeon. But I just want us to see before we go any farther, and you're going to be like, this isn't even important. Well, it's important to me, um, is this is not a story of Simeon, right? This is not Simeon's story. This is not the book of Simeon. This is Jesus' story, and, and Simeon here gets to play a supporting role maybe in the story, but it's not a story about Simeon. Simeon's only in the story because Jesus invited Simeon into the story, right? So Simeon, we're, we're going to find out some things about him. We're not going to find out a whole lot about him because I'll just be honest, none of that stuff's really important. He's getting invited into, in this moment, the story of Jesus. And you look at that and you're like, okay, that's really cool. Who is Simeon? There are probably a lot of guys named Simeon. What's so special about this guy, Simeon, right? Like, it's probably a popular name in, in Israel. There are 12 sons of Israel, right? Jacob, same guy. Um, he had 12 sons. One of them was named Simeon. So, like, the patriarch had some kids. One of their names was Simeon. I guarantee you there was a little bit of star power that came with the name, right? And there were probably some other kids in Jerusalem about you know, named Simeon. This guy's not in the story because his name was Simeon, is what I'm saying. It's not like a significant moment here. Oh, Simeon, man, there was only one. He was in Jerusalem, so we're going to talk about that guy. Not the reason he's in the story today. Um, It's got to be something else. There was a man named Simeon who gets to be in the story, but the significance is not the name Simeon. It says, this man was righteous and devout. Now, that's amazing. Maybe that's the reason he's in the story of God, right? Like, oh, obviously he would get invited into the story. He's named Simeon, hallelujah, only one. And uh, he's a righteous man and devout man. Now, righteous is just a term that means morally right and good, that he was a good man. I like the book, right? He He followed the law. He tried to follow God. He was a morally right and good man. Devout is just a word meaning that he was like extremely religious, that he, he followed this religion, this Judaism thing. He, he was a good Jew, I guess is what it's saying. Maybe that sounds amazing to you, but we're in Israel, full of people that are righteous by the book, right? Like these are the most religious people on the planet. Like everybody here, for the most part, is at least attempting the religion thing. Their claim to fame on the planet Earth is that they're the people of God. So Simeon here is maybe just doing kind of what everybody else is doing, and he's, he's kind of in his own rights, a pretty good moral guy, and he's devout. He follows this religion. But if you remember in the story of Jesus, we have all kinds of people that are, are following this religion. There's Pharisees that follow their religion. they probably on paper, morally right and good people. Inwardly, they're kind of snakes, right? But, um, but, but they're devout and they're religious and, and morally they're pretty good people. 
So I, I would think maybe the reason Simeon's in the story doesn't have anything to do with that because we're in Jerusalem. It's not hard to find a devout person in Jerusalem. It's not hard to find a moral person in Jerusalem. So why is Simeon in the story? It says that he was also, by the way, a man looking forward to Israel's consolation or Israel's hope, and specifically the hope that he's looking forward to is not the hope that the temple will go on forever or the hope that Israel will go on forever. The hope that he's looking forward to is the Messiah is going to come. There, there's hope for Israel, and that hope is found in the Messiah, and here Simeon is looking forward to the Messiah. Now, you look at that, and you're like, well, okay, but again, we're in Israel, right? Like, how hard is that really to imagine there were a, a city full of country full of people that believed one day God would send a Messiah? You'd have to. It was written about from Genesis 3 kind of all the way up to this moment in the Bible. There was going to be this guy. He was going to come, and depending on which prophecy you were hearing, it would reveal different parts of his personality or what he was going to do. But, but there were probably a lot of people looking on paper, right, for this Messiah to come. Or at least you would think. Problem is we read Matthew, right? Like two weeks ago or something like that. And, and these guys from a different country come. Babylon shouldn't have really been in Israel. Not religious people. Not really good people. Uh, sorcerer and magicians. They show up to Israel, Jerusalem. And they start telling this story. Hey, uh, where's, the, where's the new king? There's a star and it told us to come here. And in that moment, if you were looking for the Messiah, like really looking, not like I believe one day there will be a Messiah, but like I believe any day now there will be a Messiah, uh, why would you not at that point in time go try to find out where he is? You even have like Herod who comes to him and he's like, hey, um, when the stars show up, right? Like Herod put together really quickly uh, that this was the Messiah and he even went to the chief priests and the scribes, the most religious, probably most righteous on paper people in Jerusalem and uh, in, in the in this, uh scribes and the Pharisees and Sadducees went to all these religious leaders and he was like uh, hey when's the Messiah going to be born or where is he going to be born and they were like Bethlehem but nobody walked the six miles down the road to go see if the Messiah was in Bethlehem so maybe on paper there's a lot of people that believe right that there will be a Messiah but there's not a whole lot of people looking like Simeon is looking there were some Right? Like he's probably not the only guy in all of Israel that's like man I just I believe any day now the the that the Messiah could come. Like, how, how, would you, how, could you, how could you say that? What do you want to back that up with? Well, uh, A, it's been like 400 years, I think, from the last book in the Old Testament to the first book in the New Testament. So there was like a 400-year period of silence where God didn't really talk to his people. If you have prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, and there's like this guy showing up in town every couple of weeks, and he's like, hey, I just want you to know the Messiah's coming. Hey, I just want you. <laughs> Maybe then you're looking for it, but when nobody's talking about it, no new prophecy, no new revelation, no, maybe even God here has forgot about it seemingly 400 years later. Um, there's probably less people looking than there used to be. You're like, how do you say that? If you're raised in church and you're over the age of 20, uh, you used to hear people talk about the second coming all the time, right? Like, oh, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. We sang songs about heaven, we talked about Jesus coming back, and that was pretty much the mix-up in that area of time. Um, and, and, and now we're here, and you never hear about that, do you? You ever really like maybe we sing songs about heaven still but like but like are there as many people today looking for the second coming Jesus to come back like actually physically show up on this planet are there as many people looking for that and not just maybe believe it but like any day now it could happen as there used to be and the answer would be no probably if you've been around very long right maybe you got like one radical friend or two but like it's not the thing that we do anymore it used to be so maybe you can relate to that a little bit in the, in the story here. 
It's been like 400 years since God's talked to these people. And here, generation after generation after generation after generation, like way down on the line, here's Simeon, and he's still just standing around like, oh yeah, any day now the Messiah could be here. See, he's not just looking as in, I believe one day the Messiah will show up on the planet. I'll probably be dead by then. Like he's looking like any moment now I could walk into the presence of the Messiah. He's eagerly expecting, looking with anticipation, with this, uh, with this desire really, that, that any moment I could be in the presence of the Messiah. That's Simeon. Okay? And maybe, uh, there, I'm sure there were other people right? Maybe you know, other people named Simeon. Like that's maybe the thing that gets him close to the story, but that's not, I don't think, the thing that gets him into the story. Here's the thing I think that separates Simeon from probably everybody else and gets him into the story of Jesus. It says, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And the Holy Spirit was on him. No? <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, I'll just keep saying it until somebody reacts. And the Holy Spirit was on him. Like the Spirit of God was on him. Now, you, you're not impressed by that probably because, you know, we are Jesus' people. If you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You may not ever access that. You may not even know what that looks like. You may not know what it does. It's maybe your worship thermometer, like, oh, the Holy Spirit's here. You know, like maybe that's you and your relationship to the Holy Spirit. It's like when the bridge hits, the Holy Spirit's here, hallelujah. Um, but that's not, I just want to throw this in there, the, the full capacity or even the beginning capacity of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And this is not a normal thing. For us, we come to know Jesus. We receive the Holy Spirit. It's like in Acts 2. It's a promise for everybody. Everybody that comes to know Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. And that, that's an amazing thing. We don't know that because who knows what it, that, who knows what he does, right? But like, that's an amazing thing. It's a thing, actually, that until Jesus came, until Jesus died, until he was resurrected, and then until he ascended, people in mass never experienced. The Holy Spirit, in this context of the Bible, this part of the Bible, showed up to like a, a specific person for a specific time period, not forever. You didn't just get the Holy Spirit and just live out your life, but a specific person for a specific time period. And then after that specific purpose, which is what he was there for, was accomplished, like, Holy Spirit gone, right? We weren't in mass, all of Israel, experiencing the Holy Spirit. This was, this was exclusive to just a few, like a handful of people in the Bible that God would actually like settle his spirit on you. And here, Simeon, who is, is a righteous man, amen. Thank you for being moral. There's a lot of moral people. Some of them don't know Jesus. And devout. Thank you, Simeon, for being devout. There's a lot of devout people who don't know Jesus, some to this religion, some to others. And, and, and there's a lot of people that are looking for the Messiah to come, here and there. But there's not a lot of people up to this point in time in the story who have received the Holy Spirit. And here it says that, you can, you can even see it in the, in the wording, right? The Holy Spirit was on him, not in him, on him. 
And it says that this Holy Spirit, he, he did a little more than tell him when to raise his hand. Um, it said it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So he told him something. He showed him something. That he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Isn't that crazy? How many other people in the story got that message? Well, I'm counting like zero other people because zero other people made it into the story. It's like literally this guy was looking for Jesus. I don't think he just started looking, by the way, when the Holy Spirit showed up. That's not how that works. He was looking for Jesus and that looking for Jesus, that intense looking for Jesus, led him, I believe, to be a righteous or moral man. He wasn't moral for the sake of being moral. He was moral because he was looking for Jesus, and that affected his life. Right? It's a different kind of righteousness. In this. It's actually the same way we get righteousness, right? Looking for the Messiah. We are receiving his righteousness, right? Like in, in the Old Testament, what did they have promise-wise? Like we have, looking back, like, oh, Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus was buried and Jesus resurrected. And now he's ascended and he's coming back. Like we have that. What did they have? There's a Messiah. God is sending a Savior. You, you know what details he would have known about the Savior when he was looking for the Messiah? Probably not very many. Just the ones given in the scripture and given the fact that most people got that wrong up to that point in time, probably didn't know a whole lot. He didn't know, probably, didn't probably know his name was going to be Jesus, didn't know like he was just going to show up one day in Jerusalem. He didn't, he didn't know any of that, but he was looking for the Messiah any day now. I could run into face to face this Messiah. I believe God said he's sending a savior and I can take God as what he says. Take God for what he says. So he's looking for this Messiah and in the looking, I believe it affected his life in such a way that he was called righteous in the Bible. Not something that happens a whole lot in the Bible, by the way. God didn't call just everybody righteous. Like we call people righteous, other people call people righteous. God doesn't give that to a whole lot of people. This is he believed, right? Like for Abraham, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Well, what did, what did Simeon do? He believed God. <laughs> you said you're sending a Messiah. You, uh, I, know that you, I know that you are. I've, I've read about it. I've read about it. I've read about it. Like Genesis 3 all the way through. There's prophecy after prophecy how you're sending a Messiah. And I see me in here today say, I believe you're sending a Messiah. So I'm not just going to kind of live my life apathetically floating through this thing being religious. I'm going to look for intensely into, stare into the fact that you are sending a Messiah. And any day I could be in contact with this Messiah. And I'm going to live my life out of that moment. Right? How many, how many of us do that? Right? Like, oh yeah, I said that prayer. Woohoo! But how many of us live out of the fuel that like any day we could just come face to face with the Messiah? I know some of you are like, well, I mean, you know, it's coming back, but he's probably like far off. I'm looking at some of the signs and things like that, and they're just not all there yet, and you're trying to calculate this thing. But let me just let you in on, on just some news today. You don't have to be part of the, um, the return to just see the Messiah. Can I, can I just say that? Like, to, you, you don't know, right? Like, any day you could see the Messiah. And yes, maybe that means he's coming back one day and, and he's going to pop up here. I believe that. Um, and, but maybe you won't make it there. I don't know. But 
let me just be honest with you, if you don't make it there, you're still going to see the Messiah. Like, you know, like you're, you're going to leave this place sometime. And maybe you're like looking at the signs and you're like, well, I'm not that old yet. And like, there's not really much wrong with me. Can I just be honest with you? People die every day. Do you know that babies die? Can I just be honest with you? Like babies die. Actually, we have a practice of killing them before they come out. Like they die before they're here. You, you made it here. Lucky you. You didn't have any say in that, did you? It's true. Do you know that infants die every day? Like once they get here, they do. I know you're like, man, that's morbid, Brad, but it's true, right? Like life is like a vapor. The Bible says that. Like we're like flowers and we, we fade. Go outside and look how long a flower is here. Like cold kills it. Every, flowers are fragile. We are fragile. That's the image there. Like people die. You, you know how many, I'll just, let's just go up the age because some of you are going to get mad at me. Uh, 20 year olds. 20 year olds die every day. You're like, I'm 20, man. I got so much life. Maybe. 30 year olds die every day. I'm 30. So you, I'm picking on me, right? Like who knows? 40-year-olds die every day, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds, 100-year-olds, probably people that make it past that. People die every day. And when they do, right, <laughs> so just because, like, maybe you're not like, man, I believe the ascension, or I, I believe Jesus is coming back today, the return is happening, maybe, maybe that's not you, but can I just say, like, maybe you should think about that. Because people die every day. And here is Simeon who is kind of living out of that fuel of any day now. And when he lives out of the fuel of any day now, it affects his life. The reason most of our lives don't look any different is because we're like, I mean, 30 years, so I can clean up my act. And then we get to five years, I mean, probably. I can clean up my act. And then two years, one year. I'll just say it before I die. I'll just forgive me. See, it's dangerous. Like <laughs> Any day now. So here's Simeon who's, who's looking for that, and he's, he's looking for a physical Messiah. And there's not a whole lot of people surrounding him that are. But it says that in his looking, somehow the Holy Spirit showed up, and the Holy Spirit said to him, hey, um, you're going to still be here. Before you die, before you close your eyes um, in death, you're going to physically see the Messiah. Awesome. What am I looking for? Does he have a beard? Like, what's he, like, right, he doesn't give him any details. Just, hey, you're going to see him. If he said he's going to be a baby, Simeon probably would have went around Israel, like, checking all the babies. Like, where's the stamp? You're, you're you him? Like, where, where is it? Didn't give him any details. Actually, it doesn't even say, like, how long the waiting process is, does it? Like, really, I, kn I know it looks close because they're in verses and they're not books away from each other, but, like, Simeon's just a small part in the story of Jesus. Um, but he gets in the story of Jesus, so it's still pretty cool. Um, it doesn't even say how long the Holy Spirit showed up ago, right, to say that, hey, you're going to see him. It could have been, been minutes, probably longer. It could have been days, probably longer. could have been weeks, could have been months, could have been years. Actually, just knowing kind of how things work with God sometimes it probably was. No details, just, hey, you're going to leave this place sometime, and before you leave this place, you're going to see the Messiah. And here's the crazy thing. He believed it. You see, he knows something that maybe not all of us get, and that thing is that when God says it, you can bank on it. 
Like, right? Like, maybe God didn't just show up in your bedroom today and tell you something, but um, he says a lot of stuff in here. Maybe to some of you he did. Hey, here's the, here's the thing. I want you to know this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this. This is going to happen in your life. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. But what I do know is that when God says something, you can, you can bank on that. Even when all the circumstances around you say that you cannot. Mm-hmm. See, like if Simeon would have got caught up in circumstances, he could have been like, dude, I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying it was easy. I have no idea. That's not given to us in the story. But what I know is that there is some waiting period that happened there between the time that God said, before you die, you're going to see the Messiah into the moment that he actually sees the Messiah. There was a span there, and spans are not easy, right? Like nobody wants to do the waiting. Everybody wants the, uh, Jesus said it, now I want it right now, and if you don't do it in the next two or three days, I'm going to start doubting it. If you don't do it in a week or two, I'm just going to give up on it, and I'm going to try to do it myself. But here we find Simeon in the waiting, surrounded by circumstances that say there is no way in the world this is going to happen. It's been 400 years since God talked to his people. Like nobody else is getting this message. Like there's, there's nobody else the Holy Spirit showing up on. Like he didn't pop up to Simeon and Fred and then just be like, hey guys, I just want you to know you can lean on each other because we, we all believe this, Right? He showed up to Simeon, and then, and then he says, you're going to see him, and then Simeon has to deal with, but it's been like 400 years. And then maybe it was like another year after he told him this, and another year after he told him this. It could have been years and years and years after he told him this, that he's still walking around looking for this Messiah, eagerly expecting, before I die, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see him. And the longer it goes, it seems like, I don't, I don't know this, the longer it goes, it seems like he doesn't doubt more, but he realizes, man, God said at the end, before the end, I'm going to see him. So the closer I get to the end, the longer I have to wait, the closer it is to the moment that I'm going to see accomplish what he said is going to be accomplished. You, you, imagine being Simeon and telling your friend this. Hey, I just want you to know the Holy, what? The Holy Spirit showed up to you. Nah, that doesn't happen. Right? The Holy Spirit showed up to a handful of people. You're Simeon, he's Simeon, he's Simeon, he's Simeon. You're all Simeons, like everybody here is Simeon. Uh, and he showed up to you. I know you're a good man, but I'm a good man. Didn't show me, didn't show up to me. Right? No, nobody's going to believe the, hey, the Holy Spirit showed up to me story, right? Get somebody on Team Simeon. I don't know if there is anybody on Team Simeon. Like, it doesn't even say, like, Simeon got a following and 17 of his best friends got together and they just hunted out the Messiah. Like, it doesn't say that. All we see is that Simeon alone looking for the Messiah. And the circumstances say, man, it's not going to happen. Everything in the timeline says it's not going to happen. Simeon knows what we don't know. And it's if God says it, you can bank on it. Right? But here's the problem. You've you got to be willing to wait. You've got to be willing to wait. See, what happens, is, this is just true, it's just how God works. Refining happens in the waiting, right? Like, most of the reason we're not receiving right now what God has said we're going to receive is we are not ready to receive right now what God said we're going to receive, right? You're not ready for that. You've not been through the fire like Simeon. Simeon was a righteous and devout man, uh, but <laughs> you, you don't believe in that as faith was tested, 
Maybe I could call it the beginning of the story. I could be like, man, Simeon is a righteous man. But at the end, Simeon can see, man, God, you have transformed me. And it all happened in the waiting. Right? Like, how devout are you if it happens the moment after? Right? Like, if your version of God is the genie God or the microwave God, how devout do you have to be? I said the thing, and then God did the thing. Like, that's how it works. You, you don't have to trust. You don't have to have faith. You don't have to hope in anything. You just say it, and it happens, right? Like, Simeon, it didn't work that way for him. He knows at the end of the day, man, I, I stuck with this thing. See, the truth is a lot of us want the title or the thing or the miracle or the job or the friend or the relationship or the whatever. We want the future. We want the, the, the coming present. We want the, uh, we want the um, inheritance. We want the thing, right? We want the thing right now. And a lot of times that's just not how it works. We want the title and we don't want to do the time. But refining happens in the waiting. So I, I just want to say today, like if God's told you something, if God has spoke to you about something, just because you're in the waiting doesn't mean that God's not in the process. It usually just means God's doing something and the something he's doing is probably in you. So here's Simeon. The Holy Spirit shows up and he says, hey, uh, before you die, you're going to see the Lord's Messiah, and Simeon just takes it as fact. Hallelujah, amen, Jesus, yes, I will. This is in 27, he was guided by the Spirit. This is guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple complex. Now, Simeon lived in Jerusalem, he was a righteous and devout man. He probably did this over and over and over and over and over again, right? This is a normal thing. But today it's different because today it wasn't Simeon carrying himself into the temple complex. Today he was guided by the Spirit. And it says he was guided by the Spirit to enter the temple complex. And it says, When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. Here's Jesus right back in the story. Jesus, look at that. Took a detour, supporting character, got a little background. But here we are right back in the story of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You, you know what Simeon wasn't doing every day? Going to the temple thinking, man, I'm going to go here and wait on the Messiah. He went to the temple because that's what you do when you're a Jewish man in Jerusalem. You go to the temple to worship. But God didn't give him any facts about the Messiah, did he? You're going to see him. He didn't say it's going to be in Jerusalem. He didn't say it was going to be a baby. He didn't say show up at 3 o'clock on Tuesday. He didn't give him any of those details. He just said, you're going to see him. And he believed that, and he, he believed it in such a way that it affected his life. And then at the moment that it was time, right, God moved him into the right place at the right time. He wasn't chasing down the Messiah. He wasn't trying to nudge in somewhere and make room. He wasn't trying to make some situation happen. If God would have missed it by 15 minutes, he may have never met the Messiah, right? Do you realize that? If he would have come the next day, Jesus would have been gone. But here's the amazing thing about when God tells us something. We don't have to chase it. We don't have to make it happen. We don't have to try to influence the situation. We just have to wait and in the waiting, God will move us into the right place at the right time. 
Now, I'm going to say that again because I think some of us get into this, right? Where we're like, man, I, I, thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to do the thing. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to run full force at it. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to, you didn't give me any details. I have no idea where I'm going. I couldn't find it on a map, but man, thank you. We try to make things happen because we don't want to wait. It's like we're going to afraid that, that God's going to mess up and send us there on Wednesday when we were supposed to be there on Tuesday. And maybe what God is waiting on is just us to wait. See, miracles, they, they take time. I don't know if you know that. Miracles are born in faith, and faith takes time. Um, so here's Simeon doing what he just does every day, except for today because he's been waiting and he's been patient and he's been seeking God, he can hear God. And God says, today's the day, brother, go to the temple. And he goes into the temple at the appropriate time. Look at that. At the right time when, when they bring this kid who has been born for 40 days. I don't know how long he's been waiting. He could have been waiting 40 days. He could have been waiting 40 years. Who knows? But uh, there's been a period of waiting. And now it's time, and they bring this child in to perform what was customary under the law. They were just doing the thing. They didn't know they were rolling up to Simeon today. And it says, when, when they brought him in, God guided Simeon into the place he needed to be. And in 28, it says, Simeon took him up in his arms. Wouldn't you love to see this scene? Like, go to Walmart and try that, right? Like, <laughs> this, oh, I've been waiting on this baby. Just grab it from somebody you don't know. It's going to be awesome. Um, they didn't know Simeon, by the way. And Simeon takes this kid. I've been waiting on the Messiah, the one that's going to crush the serpent's head. And then you grab a baby. Probably not what you were looking for, but it didn't matter. Right? This prince of peace, mighty God bringing in two turtle doves. As a poor people's offering, probably not what you were looking for. See, when we go after things, we try to make things happen. What we do is we do it the wrong way, and we usually walk ourselves into the wrong thing because we don't want to wait on God. So we try to nudge in somewhere, and we try to force in somewhere, and God's like, just shut up and wait. Like, just literally, you just have to sit there and believe. Like, that's all you have to do. You just have to sit there and believe, and I will do the thing. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to get in the right spot at the right time. You just have to trust that if it's Tuesday, I'll get you where you need to be. So the Holy Spirit says, go up. He's like, okay. I do that a lot, but I, I will go up. And he walks in the temple, and here comes this poor man and woman holding a baby, and something goes off, and he's like, that's him. That's him. Man, I was looking for a guy coming in on a white horse with a sword. I totally wouldn't have missed that. Man, I was looking for, you know, like the heavens to open up and this golden angel man to descend. I totally would have missed that. Never would have thought that this would be your way. But he sees it and he takes up this baby and he starts doing something crazy, right? He says, praised God. Thank you, God, for the Messiah. Do you imagine the people looking around in the hills? He's finally lost it, brother. 
I knew he was nuts when he said the whole Holy Spirit thing, but now he's picking up babies and saying it's the Messiah, totally out of it. He's not embarrassed of it. He picks his kid up and he starts praising God. And this is, he says, now master, now God, you can dismiss your servant or your slave in peace. I can die now, is what he says. Imagine praying that. I'm good. Now, master, you can dismiss your slave in peace. You can kill me now according to your word. You you said that I was going to see him and I've seen him and, and I'm good. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He doesn't even know what he's talking about there. Uh, He didn't get the whole plan of the cross at this moment. He wasn't holding this baby thinking, oh, these hands are going to hold nails. He wasn't thinking that. But he had enough, right, to know. Like, God, you said that you were sending a Savior, and this is a Savior. I don't know how it's going to be the Savior. I don't even know his name yet. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know how we're going to get there. I didn't even know how I was going to get here, but you got me here, so I believe you can get him there. So you, you, I'm done. I'm good. You can kill me now because my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared. You've prepared it in the presence of all the people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. <laughs> what are you talking about, Simeon? And the glory to your people Israel. Can you imagine that? Here's Simeon who's waited like years and years and years and years and years probably to see the Messiah. He finally walks into the temple and the Messiah is a baby and he's not disappointed. This is it. This is what I've been waiting on. I've been waiting on a baby. You said you're sending a Messiah, a Savior, the chosen one. You're sending this king who's supposed to come in and do all these things because he probably had it wrong, by the way. Um, he's supposed to come in and do all these things, and he's getting carried in by uh, a man and woman with two turtle doves, for real. That's not what I pictured, but I'm good. It's not what I thought you had planned, but I'm good. You, you know why? Because when we see Jesus, the plan is always good, right? It doesn't really matter what we had expectations Why? See, the truth of it is if we go around trying to make things happen, we're going to make a mess because your plan is never actually God's plan. God gives you just enough that you can hold on in faith and wait. And when you try to make things happen, you make a mess. God's going to do that. Oh, awesome. I'm going to go do it today. Yeah, you're going to blow something up, brother. Um, That's not how it works with God. See, we are refined in the waiting. The waiting is actually the thing that draws us in and draws us close. It's that that faith moment where we have to say, you know what? I have no idea what you're going to do. I have no idea how you're going to do it. But what I do know is that you've you've said it's going to happen, so I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you to do what you said you were going to do. And I believe at the end of the day, whether it's a, a position or a title or a thing or, or it's a name or a platform or a relationship or a promotion or you're going to heal my family or you're going to save this person's soul, whatever that thing is, right? That I'm just going to get out of the way and I'm going to let you do it. Nobody with me on that? Like, I mean, I don't, it, it's right there on the page. I, I hope you see it. But see, here's, here's the reality. Um, there's people in the Bible all the way through that, that go try to make their own story in their own way, aren't there? You remember the guy like the, he's at the pool of Bethesda, and he's like, I'm going to get healed. If I could move, I would just roll myself over there in the pond. The problem is he can't. 
Oh, all the people beat me to the water. All the people get in there before I get in there. And the angel comes, he stirs the water, and I, they all beat me. Well, they beat you because you can't move. And then Jesus walks by. Get up. Okay, that's better. <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. I've never thought of that. It's, it's amazing, right? Woman at the well coming, drawing out water every day, doing the same thing, trying to make her own way, trying to make her own life. And Jesus strolls into the story and he says, hey, you don't actually even have water. You don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, where's your bucket, sir? He's like, you even missed the water. (laughs) Setting out the well and you are looking at the wrong thing here. You can go story after story how somebody's messing up their story by trying to do things their own way. And, and then for some reason, we still think that we'll just kind of plow through. Let's make it happen. You know, the best advice I could give for you for the date change tomorrow? Why don't you have a heart change? Instead of you trying to get somewhere and you trying to make something happen, right? You just lean in to what he's going to make happen. I don't know what that means for any of you. But what I do know is if you know God, God speaks. For some of you, he said, I'm going to do this thing, right? I'm going to take you here. I'm going to use you for this. I'm going to make this thing happen in your life. I'm going to accomplish this moment. And, and, And you're scrambling around trying to get to that moment. And you're missing all kinds of moments. Because God's trying to refine you right now in the waiting. I'll be honest, um, I'm in a totally different spot in my life at the end of this year than I was at the end of last year. At the end of last year, I was going to walk away from this. If you were here, you know. Right? I think it stood up here, maybe on the first day of last year, this year, and said, if it doesn't change, I'm gone. Did I, I think first day was the first because for three months I'd been silently fighting, God, you said this and you're not doing this. Because I was not Simeon. <laughs> if we change the music, it'll grow. No, it won't. If you just preach better, it'll grow. No, it won't. If you just shut up and wait and let God refine your character, it'll grow. I don't, I don't know what that means to you. But I know that I can sit here and, and say th- at the end of this year, I've seen you move. Right? You moved the mountains. <laughs> I believe that you'll, you will do it again. You made a way, right? And there's no way. And I believe Today, I, I can say that. I've had a couple of you speak wisdom into that. Um, one of you said, hey, what would you do if 300 people showed up this morning? I, I don't know. <laughs> That's why 300 people didn't show up this morning. I'm not ready. And I'm okay with that. Because you will never be ready until you're okay with that. Can I just say to you, I don't know what God said to you. I don't know what God's saying to you. Most of you have not shared that with me, but if you have the Holy Spirit, God's speaking, I know that. 
if you are like I, I've not heard anything, you need to pray about that. Um, God doesn't leave us in 400 years of silence anymore. Um, but what I can say is, you, you can lean into that without fear. You lean into that. You stop trying to make stuff happen. Stop trying to build bridges and sailboats, right? Stop trying to fight through storms. Wait and trust. Because in the waiting, we are fine. And then maybe God can say over us, right? They were righteous and devout because they were waiting. They believed, they had faith. Let's pray.